welcome back to another love-themed episode of the Full Circle Podcast. When we think of love, traditionally we see two people devoted, passionate and committed to each other. However, we often do not think about what happens if these emotions around love fade. How do you find your way back to someone if you've strayed? Is it possible to find love again, even when it all feels lost? Joining me today to share her story is award-winning journalist and best-selling author, Marsha DeSanctis. Marsha writes essays and stories for the best-known publications in the world and has received countless awards for her written work. Her book of essays, A Hard Place to Leave, Stories from a Restless Life, comes out later this year. When Marsha was 47 years old, married with children and leading a very happy life, Marsha experienced what she described as a midlife crisis. And while pursuing extra education away from home, she longed for something different. She confessed her desires to her husband and together they worked through the healing that needed to be done to restore the youth, passion and love in their marriage. This work wasn't easy and it required Marsha to understand herself and what she needed so she could find the fulfilment she craved from marriage. This is not an uncommon story. Many of us face identity struggles that impact our personal lives. To overcome these challenges and get back to an authentic love, we must first rediscover ourselves and reaffirm the person we want to be. I'm excited to learn how Marsha got through this journey and maybe it will bring a bit of inspiration to you. Marsha, thank you for joining us today. show Marsha how are you feeling I'm good thank you thank you so much for having me yeah I'm really delighted that you're here and thank you so much for agreeing to to talk about this subject matter today because I think it's one that sometimes lots of us find ourselves in feeling restless and a little bit kind of challenged as we're getting a little bit older and we start to question things in our lives. So I just thought what might be quite good for our listeners is just to, if you could maybe just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about what you do. Sure. So my name is Marcia DeSanctis. I am a writer. I'm actually a second career writer, which is, again, something that maybe came out of a a midlife re-examination of everything. I write mostly about travel, but travel as it relates to home. I write about things through the lens of a of a person who's well into their years. I'm 61 now, which is actually hard for me to say, but I do write about things with a maybe a similar kind of wide-eyed wonder that you do when you're when you're really young. I think mm-hmm. the the lens is very similar when you're young and you're old because when you're young, you're seeing things for the first time. And when you're older, you might be seeing things for the last time. So, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Obviously, this topic that we're talking about or our theme for this episode and season is all around love. And I know that you kind of have experienced lots of different things through your life and you, you've been happily married for, for many, many years. But there was a time in your life where perhaps you were a little bit more restless around that. And I wondered if you could just share a little bit more around that. Well, I didn't know I was restless. I think sometimes we don't know what we're looking for until we find them somehow. I, I wasn't particularly restless. I was, I had gone through a lot of changes, geographical changes. We left New York City and my work as a television producer 
Um, I had two small kids. My husband is an artist. He works in very large scale um, stone sculptures. And we just kind of made the decision to move up to um, up to the countryside about two hours from New York. And and yeah, so I had given up my work, moved to the country, uh, was just kind of doing this and that for a few years. My work had kind of defined me. But we were fine. We were really fine as a couple. It was there were so many new challenges. I mean, New York City, the city generally is so easy to have small kids in. You know, you just walk a block and there's a park and there's an ice cream parlor and there's a friend. Um, but in the country, it was different. You know, we just were miles from anything, uh, really, literally many miles from, from even from a store. So we had to figure it out a little bit more. And about five years after we moved, uh, I just decided to enroll in a graduate program in international foreign policy. And it had been my background a little. I had lived in Europe. I had worked in the Soviet Union. Um, I had been a television news producer. And sort of shortly after I began that, that, uh, that master's program, um, I met another guy and um, he was younger than I was, and I wasn't looking for for anything of the sort. I was really happy at home, and or just really content. Put it this way: I did have friends that were getting divorced, and I listened to their stories. I I did have friends that were having affairs, and I listened to their stories, and I was nowhere near any of that. But for some reason, when I met this other person, I. It just is kind of all the things that I thought that I didn't realize that I was missing. I discovered that I maybe was. And um, I think it was a very selfish way to be, but it was also what happened. You know, I felt younger. I was 40. I just turned 47, I think, 46 or 47. I felt younger. I felt, you know, exciting and excited again just by the world and by possibility. You know, I had been sort of sitting at home for five years. And I kind of threw myself into this into this graduate program. And this person was sort of sitting in the middle of my path in a way that I thought, wow, this just actually illuminated not just my path, but everything around my path. So that's kind of, you know, that's kind of where I was and what happened when this person appeared. And at the time, you said that that kind of illuminated, you know, kind of things for you. And I'm just curious around what things did it trigger or spark for you when you met this other person? Well, for one, I had worked all over the world as a TV journalist. I had worked, I was based in Paris. I worked in the Middle East and Russia and all over Europe and and I had been around really interesting, passionate journalists, and I had really given all of that up. And, you know, this person was stationed in a conflict zone, and I just thought, like, wow, this is what's happening all over the world. And I forgot because I've just been, you know, a mom, just doing the mommy program for so long. So... I thought, like, what what have I been doing? Where have I been? And not only that, but it was everything going on around me and this person. It was the classes. It was studying national security. It was studying negotiation. It was, you know, it was just being involved in, like, really, really important world events that, you know, kind of you're sitting at home and you're, like, not thinking about 
you know, negotiations between Israelis and Palestinians. Like you're just, you might be reading it quickly in the paper, but you're not really digging into the history around it. And so it was, I think it was a lot of things. It was, it was just a world that I had been in and had left and didn't really think I was missing until I was kind of thrown back into it in another context, but, but into it nevertheless. And how, how difficult was that for you? And obviously stimulated and, and you described it as maybe, you, I think you said before, it's maybe a bit of a, a selfish place to be, but it felt like from what you're saying that there was lots of those things that you were passionate about before that kind of all came flooding back in many respects. So can you remember how you felt at the time in relation to your marriage at that point and some of those questions that it might have posed for you around that point in time? I don't know. I didn't really feel any any guilt about it. I mean, I think I did know deep down inside of me that I was never going to have an affair. Mm-hmm. But I did feel just everything snapping again. And of course, you meet somebody and they're so interesting and they're so into you and you're so into them and you find all these things you have in common. And you forget a little bit that that's what it was like when I met my husband. It was, you know, it was the same thing. It's like, oh, we have all this. Where have you been all my life? We have all this stuff in common. And how, you know, how great is this? We can stay up all night. You know, we can just drink a bottle of wine and never get tired. And then, you know, you're married for 15 or 20 years and you have small kids and you kind of stop doing those great things that you do at the beginning of a relationship you just stop because you know because that's what happens like you just kind of go into a routine I mean it's it's the oldest story in the world and so I was like having that experience with with someone else just wow we have so much in common and how about these books and you know just getting to know each other and you know talking about things that that I hadn't talked about with my husband in a, probably a long time, just who we were, what we felt, where we came from, just the kind of things that you forget that you talk about at the beginning of a relationship because you're just, you're just moving on with a relationship and you're just kind of getting used to living with someone. And so you're less probing. And mm-hmm. so you meet someone and you're very probing with them and you're so interested and and, you know, my husband was my husband. Yeah, I knew everything about him. There was nothing more to know. And so I was pretty ruthless about it. I was pretty, you know, my family was a little bit out of sight and out of mind at the time. The kids were taken care of. It was summertime when I started. And, and you know, I was just having the time of my life. I was just, I felt, you know, alive with a capital A again. I felt, you know, just really young and alive. And again, which isn't to say that I didn't feel alive in my other life. I just didn't feel alive in an exciting, new, revelatory way. Did it give you a sense of freedom just to be able to have those different conversations and to maybe express yourself in a way that you'd not been able to do for a number of years? I'm not sure if it was freedom. It was just it was just um, discovery. I was in a position where there was possibility again. And mm. I think sometimes we can get kind of hemmed in by our existence. And so whether that's being fettered or I would say that the thing that I felt a sense of familiarity, 
I've, I've felt that this was the real me. And the one that was at home that was, you know, just carpooling and driving around and taking care of stuff was, was not really the real me. That this was kind of, I was rediscovering the, the real me, you know, the me that I had kind of forgotten about, buried, I guess, um, just in, you know, in this sort of relentless continuum of, of life. I was all about my kids, and I felt strongly that that's the way it should be. But I also had given up work and had given up a lot and always felt sort of a sneaking suspicion that I think I would be a better mother if I had something else to do during my days. And so this is actually why I had gone to this grad program. I just I wanted to plan something for the days ahead because once they grew up and were out of the house and I had been out of the working world or the workforce for a decade or more, I thought I might be pretty screwed. So I wanted to kind of pave the way so that I had, you know, this new degree and all these new contacts and this new thing because I did feel like I was a very present mother, but I had kind of ignored myself. And I think it's important for mothers to not do that you know I mean most of us are used to having some kind of some kind of career some kind of life it was really hard for me yeah yeah and just upon your experience of that time because that was around did you say it was in your 40s when this experience happened it was in my 40s yeah I would imagine and please tell me from your experience and and your thoughts on this that a lot of people will experience that because as you just said you know most of us before we have children you know do have successful careers we're quite independent in many ways um like most women are um and so i i'm kind of curious around your thoughts on that sense of if i can use the word midlife if that resonates at all about that age yeah where you do tend to maybe question or start to think about maybe that you have lost yourself slightly. And well, from my own experience, well, I'm 15 in a couple of months time. And I know myself in my late 40s, I've spent most of my time trying to reconnect myself back with myself because you do lose yourself in just the life in general, I think. Yeah, I think 40s are, are really tough. It's almost as if you start thinking that there's more time behind you than there is time ahead of you. And that was a really kind of disruptive thought for me because I thought, you know, now I'm kind of sitting around doing nothing and and I have I do have a lot of life to be lived yet. And 20s were just a blur of uh, starting my career, of just having fun, being with friends, dating, figuring out who I'm going to spend, you know, the rest of my life with, like, who's my partner going to be? I got married when I was 30, you know, as if on cue, and had my first child, my son, when I was 33, and my daughter when I was 36. And so my 30s were just about changing diapers and having a little bit of that work-life so-called balance. Um, It wasn't a balance at all, but but yeah, I was I was still working. I was dealing with daycare issues all the time. I was a, a working mother. But I would say that the emphasis was on mother and not on working. It was just every minute of every day I was thinking about my kids. And it was that blur of parenting young kids. And then my 40s was really just kind of a perfect storm of other things, moving out of the city to the countryside having a much kind of pared down life 
economically, activity-wise. It was it was a very different, a, a really really abrupt switch. And then by the middle of that, by the middle of my forties, just dealing with kind of the the hormonal reality of midlife. Midlife was really rough, and I was put on estrogen when I was 40, you know, right around this time, actually, because it was, I really just had sort of a crash, I would say, I was, you know, a, a major dip of my of my estrogen levels. And, um, and so midlife, literally, the middle of, you know, looking backwards, looking forwards, like, who are you? What are you going to be? Are you going to be the same person that you were? Are you going to try to create a new person for yourself? So the 40s were were very were very very rough. I actually was happy to make you know happy to turn 50 because I thought oh my 40s are behind me. Those were really bad years. And so coming out of that experience as you said they're just kind of moving into your 50s but when you kind of finished your grad school you came away from that experience. Had it changed how you felt about your relationship with your husband and your marriage? Well, my husband was very merciful on this. I mean, he's not a pushover. He's not a, he wasn't just kind of sitting around letting it happen. But I think he understood all the other things. I think he he understood, you know, kind of what was going on with me, how drastic the move was, how drastic it was that I had kind of given up my career to move to the country you know, how just how kind of drastic it all was and how this graduate school experience had kind of given me more than than I was up for. When I finally told him that I had, you know, really just fallen for this other man, he was kind of like, yeah, I know. I saw it happening. I saw you kind of get carried away. I saw, you know, we lost you for a little bit because I was you know, doing my schoolwork and traveling off to do the various residencies in different places. You know, he really said, like, if you're all in in this marriage, I am too. And I really had to think about that. Like, was was I just kind of trying to break away? And was this the excuse that I needed? Was grad school the excuse that I needed? Like, aha, this is going to be my next path. Or was it just some kind of cataclysmic event that needed to happen so that I could, you know, prioritize a marriage that I was still fulfilled in. And so it was really a decision we we sort of made together. And I would say that it was a strengthening event for our marriage rather than a weakening one. Or let's just say what started as a weakening event of our marriage was actually a strengthening one. And it wasn't immediate, you know. I I really was in a bad way for for a while. I was really kind of not okay. I was kind of watching this person disappear. And as I watched that person kind of go back to his life, I thought I'm watching just myself, my attractive, younger, more interesting, more energetic, more fascinating self disappear as well. And it, it, it took a long time to kind of get myself back and realize that what remained was actually okay too, just a little bit older. I don't know whether you can share, but could you share some of those things that you might have done for yourself at that time to help you get back comfortable with that situation that you're coming back into, which was obviously a marriage? I would say 
that I began to let other people into my life more. I had told a couple of friends what I was going through, and I was so private about this breakdown, really, that I just cut myself off from people, and I began to let more people in. And I think that that was an important progression for me because people did judge me. People did feel bad for my husband. And my husband would kind of say, like, it's behind us. Like, don't feel bad for me. That is, it's, it's all behind us now. So I would say that I, I did let other people in. I began to focus very much. I, I mean, it was necessary to focus on what I was going to do next. And I was not really able to find a job in my new, you know, in what I had gotten a degree in. It was always, I had been a journalist in all these places that I was applying to, would say, oh, you can work in media relations. You're a media person. And I'd say, no, I want to do policy. I want to do, you know, think tank stuff. Uh, You know, strangely enough, I wrote about this event, I think, which is how you found me, which is I wrote about, I, I wrote this article. I sent it to a few places, including Vogue. Vogue magazine published it eventually. And strangely, this, this event led to my really having a a career as a writer because it was my first major magazine. And so it it helped me. It put some wind in my sails as a writer and really kind of gave me the, the green light to go ahead on a new career. I really tried to be a more patient person, a more patient wife. I wasn't always that way. I always had a little bit of a passion for for solitude. I'm an introvert. My husband's an extrovert. I tried to bend a little to what he wanted to do. And I I also did try to remember who it was that I had fallen in love with all those years ago. I mean, that really helped. And, and remembering the things that we used to do together and also kind of acknowledging our history. I mean, we had lived for four years in Paris together. Those were four amazing years. And I was living in the country all by myself. I never thought about my life in Europe or how interesting it was, but this was the person I had shared it with. And it wasn't so much in my past. It was just something that happened in the past. And as such, I tried to just integrate and aggregate all of these things that we had experienced Mm. as a couple and also our kids. I mean, of course, it's no small thing to have a child with someone and to have two children and to remember that this is the person that's in the delivery room with you. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it was a very conscious decision to stay together. And I've obviously read uh, a couple of your essays, but in one of them you said, we choose to stay in the lives we ourselves have chosen. I'm just kind of curious around that statement because it feels similar to what you're saying, I think. Well, I think... Choices don't have to be permanent. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all change as people. We all, circumstances change around you. Your kids grow up. You have financial ups and downs. You have physical ups and downs. Time just ticks on rather mercilessly. And no one says you have to be a prisoner of your own choices that you make. But I was kind of thinking... I did make this choice for a reason, and honestly, there's no one else I'd rather be with. And do I want to be alone? 
okay, I could be alone, but I'd rather be with this person. So I had just kind of made that choice and decided to decided to stick with it. Well, I suppose, why do you believe? I mean, you had your reasons why you stayed in the marriage, but just generally, if you can share your thoughts on why do you feel that people, men or women, do stay in their relationship versus, you know, what makes you think that people choose to stay? Well, there are a lot of reasons to stay. There are very obvious ones. There are financial reasons. I mean, not everybody can go set up two different households. People stay together because of kids. People stay together because of geography. And those are all valid. I think about my friends, people that I know that have strayed and why they have stayed together. And, you know, maybe just being together with someone that you know really, really well, there's some kind of there's some kind of goodness and comfort in that as well. Sure. I also think, I mean, for me, and I've written about this a lot, but, you know, just kind of watching my parents become old together. Mm-hmm. And there was just kind of great tenderness in watching these t- two people that had been together for 60-odd years. And they had stayed together. And, you know, there's something nice and just not only looking back and saying, we have all this history, you were in the delivery room with me when I had my child. um, But we're going to help each other get old together. And there's something very, you know, very graceful in that. Again, it was my choice, it isn't necessarily the right one, or the one that that everybody should make. There's as many reasons as there are for staying together, there are probably twice as many for not. But for me, it was just the comfort of the past combined with, uh, you know, the potential comfort of the future. And so from your perspective, then, what are your views on love as a whole in terms of, for instance, you know, have you found that through this experience you've, you know, love your husband more or, you know, what's your take on love just generally? There are many different kinds of love, of course. If we're talking about romantic love, I think that love combines with a lot of other things in a long marriage. I mean, familiarity, annoyance, you know, you're you're with someone a long time, they're going to bug you a lot of the time, you know. But I do think that a lot of love in long marriages is patience and tolerance. And I feel like that's a something that I might have less of than my husband. He's actually a very um, he's tough as nails um, physically, meaning he's a sculptor. He works with granite in, you know, multi, multi, multi-ton stone sculptures. Um, but he's really a gentle person. He is very patient with me. And again, I can be less so. But I do think that a lot of love, especially maturing love, I mean, you get out of the the passion of the early years, the excitement, the you know, the all of the discovery and you just have, you know, familiarity and history and patience and tolerance and um, and forgiveness. And so from this experience, what would you say your biggest learnings have been when you look back on that time to where you are now? I would say that I made it through my 40s, still married, and, and that's kind of an achievement because I think those are the toughest years, especially for women. I feel like we sort of, as we age, become, I think we change less than we become exaggerated versions of ourselves, like whoever we were. So it may may seem like we're changing, but we might be kind of hardening into who we are. Um, And so uh, 
so my 40s were um, were very challenging, but I made them through. And that was a learning experience. I do think that forgiveness of each other, um, I mean, I had nothing to forgive him for. He had a lot to forgive me for. Um, but his forgiveness of me was a real learning experience because it just showed, uh, you know, just a really open spirit and just mm-hmm. grace, I would say. And growing old together is is not easy. And I don't think there's there are any simple answers or any simple things to prescribe. But I learn things all the time. I learn, I mean, for me, you don't have to be together all the time. You don't have to be spend day in and day out. In fact, you know, part of my, part of a good thing about becoming a travel writer is that I have been traveling around a lot and frequently, you know, 99% of the time without him. And I think you can learn a lot as individuals that you can bring to the partnership. I mean, I always say that, I've always said that there are, there are three people in the marriage. There's, there's you, there's me, and there's us. And I feel like the one person and the two and and the second person and then, you know, and the relationship is kind of um, is kind of the third thing in the marriage. And so everything has to be stable. It's like a three legged stool. You know, everything has to be stable for the table, you know, to stand and not wobble. So the individuals have to be strong and the partnership has to be strong. I think that's most probably one of the key insights I would say to marriage for myself is that individuality around me being me whilst also having the us at the same time but also my husband being him and I think that's a really it's difficult to navigate I think to get that stool balanced right (laughs) and so that it does work well you know yeah I think also re-examining each other's needs whatever they are I don't think I'm the best at expressing them and I'm not sure if my husband is the best at expressing his I think we know each other well enough to know what the other one needs. Mm-hmm. And I think it's taken me a long time. And I think another another lesson is, and one that I have to work on and know I have to work on, it's really about listening. And we forget that there's this person that you're just with day in and day out for the rest of your life. And you can kind of forget to look at them as a human being rather than a husband, you know, and listen to, you know, really just say, how was your day? And listen to that because you just think, you know, everything, you're running the house and you're like, oh, have you fixed this? And, you know, we need to put salt outside so people don't slip and we need to, you know, fix the roof shingles. And and you're just in, it's very caught up in the day in, day out that I do think it's it's important and I could do I could do better. And I could do better at asking for that as well, you know. I think yeah, I, yeah. I would say he listens more, more than I do um, just because I express myself just maybe because I'm a woman or something. I just kind of express myself more in that way. But I, I could put out the offer to listen more and yeah. do like to remind myself of that. And I think that's really important because especially when, I mean, I know your children now are, are, are grown up, growing up and things and 
my son's now 19, but I think when they're younger in particular, you are very functional, I think, in your relationships. I'm just speaking generically. But for us, even when I look back on our time, it is very much around what we have to get through to do the day, the task, the chores. And by the time you sit down on the sofa, you're absolutely exhausted. So you don't have a lot of time or feel like you don't have a lot of time for each other. And I think perhaps, like you said, listening and maybe making the time for each other and having those conversations are those are kind of maybe some kind of critical or essential components to keep the equilibrium in in the relationship yeah it's funny our kids are obviously grown and and long gone um but sometimes you know just at the end of the day the dog will jump up and we just talk about how amazing the dog is and we say (laughs) you realize we're talking about the the dog and the kids see you know when the kids see us talking to the dog they're like were you like that with us yes a thousand times worse you know we just always talked about you (laughs) i do feel that it's interesting because, again, I don't travel much with my husband. He just doesn't travel much. He's very dug into his to his work at his studio at home. But I do feel like it. it's, uh, and this is probably very, very obvious, but there was one time last year when we were just, there were so many things going wrong in our house and everything was falling apart. And we had plans to go away together, which we really haven't done in, I think, in five years since our 25th wedding anniversary we hadn't really been away and then we thought oh my god are we just going to be talking about this when we're away we were just dreading it and I swear we got in that cab on the way to the airport and home just kind of slipped away and we just I mean we didn't think about the you know the the broken roof until we were pulling in the driver we're like oh my god that's right the roof, we haven't dealt with the roof. And it's very obvious. We don't really do date night, especially not do in COVID because we live in the country and there just isn't, you know, there, there really aren't a lot of places to go. Um, but I do think that just getting yourself out of your context, I think other couples do that better than we do. It is amazing because it just proves itself every time that you just get away and and you're just that relationship. You're the two of you. And um, and you see the good things, like the, the the sparks come out again. They do. I can absolutely concur with all of that. We've just come back from a holiday after two years of non-travel because of COVID, my husband and I, just a couple of weeks ago. And that did exactly that. You leave everything behind and you just spending time with each other just gives you, again, it's just a different perspective and takes away the stresses and strains of everyday life. And you can just, I think for me, be in the moment and just enjoy each other's company. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't have to be. We do try to walk, just try to be together because there's a lot of stressors on life. I mean, it's it's weird. I mean, we are at an age, we're both 61, where a lot, you know, people we know are maybe starting to retire and start to think about, but I'm a writer, he's an artist. We'll never stop working. So mm-hmm. it's not like we're going to just sail into our retirement. I it, it, That's just not going to happen. So... You know, if anything, we're dug in more to our work because as creative people, you just can't just say, well, I'm done. You have to keep creating more work and keep getting more commissions or assignments. And now you're, you know, you're in the field with people who are 40 years younger than you. And, you know, it gets a little bit more difficult. So so the stressors are there, different kinds of stressors. But, yeah, it's, it, it's good to to put, you know, not to mention living in an old house and in, you know, in the country where the elements just, you know, kill us. So, yeah. (laughs) 
So I, I know that you have a book coming out soon and I wondered if you wanted just to share a little element of your book and how that's going for you at the moment. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah, I'm actually working on that now in Iceland. So it just happened that I had this body of work that I had written between the ages of 50 and 60, a body of work about being home and being away. And it's interesting because the thread that really runs through it is marriage being kind of the representative of what is at home, marriage and family, you know, home with a capital H. And so I just decided to sort of string a bunch of them together. It was hard to figure out which essays to put in there, but I would say that it's about the the longing to be elsewhere and then the pull of home. And you just, sometimes you're just, or I just, I should really say that, I'm home for a while and you're just in this routine and you're just surrounded by your four walls and your home and very very earthy existence, and you think, I just got to go somewhere. And for me, it's been a question of getting work to go somewhere. And and then I get somewhere and looking and experiencing the world and experiencing new things and experiencing them as a travel writer, and then always thinking about home. And so I do feel like there is a constant kind of a relentless tug between kind of wanderlust and home lust, just wanting to be away and wanting to be home. And it's funny, we always think that, oh, if we go away, everything's going to be perfect, and it never is. And I have to say that I'm never happier. There are two happier, happiest moments of my life, getting on an airplane, going somewhere, and getting on an airplane, coming home. That sounds lovely. And do you know when your book's going to be published? Yes, my book is being published in the States in, uh, in May of 2022 and um, my publishers are in California they're people they're um, a great uh, independent publisher um, that have published a lot of my work and they took this on the book is called a hard place to leave stories from a restless life and I would say that restlessness is a theme that I would say that crackles throughout my whole life so if people wanted to find out more about the work that you do, where could they find you? Oh, well, thank you for asking. I have a website. Um, it's marciadesanctis.com. And most of my articles are, are on there. You have to commit a lot of time to it. Um, I have, you know, I don't know, 30 articles that I wrote for the Huffington Post on everything from piracy and uh, in the Horde of Africa to... Um, President Obama's inauguration in 2008. I have a lot of magazine articles and obviously news about the book that's going to be coming out. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It's been a real pleasure, Marsha. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. I'd love to take a moment and tell you about our wellness retreats that will be happening in May 2022 in Mallorca, Spain. My team and I have created four immersive retreats that allows you to take a step back from all the stresses and strains of your daily life in order to focus on your physical, mental, emotional and spiritual well-being. From coaching mastery, mindfulness and meditation, conscious living, and so much more, we offer a nurturing and truly experiential life-enriching environment where you'll reconnect, rediscover, and reaffirm who you are and what you want in your life. 
If you're interested in learning more, head to the fullcircleglobal.com website and click the retreats tab. In the meantime, stay well, invite joy and curiosity into your life and see you soon.